one ladies and gentlemen this is the hazelnuts and the song tempted oh isn't this beautiful hopefully this gets you in the mood this week and listen my business class listeners if you're in business class riding on an airplane you better be making some love that's right and if you're not flying on a plane this weekend then show a little love to whoever that significant is in your life well, my business class listeners, welcome to another episode of Wisco Weekly. On today's episode, we will get to cover the Tesla earnings call. And I am lucky enough to be joined by a prior guest of the show, Mr. Rahul Sanad. I will link the previous episode that we did when he was the founder of a startup called Tesloop. I will I will link that episode on the episode page if we if you want to listen to that episode. Anyhow. We cover the Tesla earnings call, and he definitely shed some light to myself, who am a novice follower of Tesla. He has been following Tesla for years now, and he certainly has a very good sense on not just the company, but Elon as well. So you are getting ready to listen to that episode. If you're not already subscribed to the show, please give it a follow. If you enjoyed this episode, after you listen to this episode, if you enjoyed it, please do leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Now, let's get into the show. You are now tuned in to the Wisco Weekly Experience. Mabuhai, bienvenidos, vitaita, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly Business Class listeners. Welcome to another episode of the show. And hey, we're continuing the earnings calls episodes. How many earnings calls have we done now, for God's sakes? Let's see. There is Metro Mile, XL Fleet, and then we have the dealer groups, the Auto Nations, Lithia. You know, there's a few more that are coming out this week, and so stay tuned. And be sure you're subscribed to the show because the next week we'll hear about Asbury, we'll hear about Sonic, and we'll hear about Penske. But this week, of course, you cannot talk about, you, you can't leave out of the discussion when you talk about automotive without discussing, I don't even know if you want to call them the new kid on the block. They're definitely not the new kid on the block because they certainly have the biggest house on the block. They have the most modern house on the block. However, whatever kind of analogy you, you want to use. And that's Tesla. Tesla reported earnings this past Monday. So we're going to go over their earnings call. And on the show with me, I have a former guest of the show. I have now kind of just a, a, a friend of the show and definitely probably the greatest Tesla enthusiast who has the most unique insight that I've heard. I'm sure we've all looked at all these YouTube videos and seen a lot of folks out there who are Tesla pundits. I definitely have not heard the same kind of thinking of my guest today, and that is Rahul Sanad. Rahul, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. 
It's good to have you back, sir. It's been a while. It's probably been, I don't know, what, two years since we last got together? Something like that, yeah. You know, the I don't talk about Tesla often. I want to say the only time prior to this episode that I discussed Tesla was when you and I recorded last. Okay. So that's why it's good to have you back. I mean, you, you really do have not just the the business brain to analyze what's going on with Tesla's operation, but you are also a technologist. So hopefully you could break down for us in layman's terms some of the things that Elon's you know, brain is thinking about and talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the maybe unique perspective I have is that we were really running Tesla's as a high utilization car service for many years. And I think that is something nobody else did. So it gave me just a different perspective on looking at Tesla and what can be done with their vehicles. Well, give, give listeners just a, you know, one minute uh, recap of what you're talking about here is that you use Tesla's in this high utilization rate. Explain to listeners what exactly that that means. Yeah, so I was um, co-founder of a company called Tesloop, and um, what we were focused on was long-distance transportation in Tesla's, either kind of like a bus service where you would book a seat, but eventually it became uh, rentals of these, you know, increasingly autonomous cars. And, uh, you know, the model was that you could rent it for four hours between LA and San Diego or Palm Springs or Vegas. We'd flip it, charge it, bring it back and continually um, query the cars, figure out the battery. We were, um, you know, very kind of uh, API driven on the cars and doing a lot of development on top of them. So that's what we were doing for about five years. Excellent. And maybe again, just another quick one minute recap. Tell, tell listeners about your background. Um, you know, how you got to the point of maybe not just as like a, you know, a, a business analytical brain, but like the tech side of you too. Like, you know, what, what were you doing prior to test loop essentially uh, yeah. that, you know, you have all the qualifications here? Yeah. So, so just short thumbnail. Uh, I was an engineer at Adobe. Um, then Microsoft recruited me to do product design on office where I was uh, lead product designer on uh, Word and eventually all of Asian office. Um, and then I got into, I went to um, uh, business school for a year, dropped out and then got into startups. So did my first startup, which was a streaming video um, platform called The Platform um, that Comcast acquired uh, several years later, um, then moved into the mobile app space with a company called Geodelic. And um, yeah, and then Test Loop was the last startup, and all of those I kind of conceived of and uh, founded and led. Excellent. So this is this is going to be good because, like I said, the way that you're able to articulate uh, everything that Tesla is doing is very insightful, and I think it'll be very valuable to myself and all the listeners. All right. So Rahul, let's do, I want to start with some of the highlights of Tesla's quarter one financial results. And then after that, let's start talking about some of the things that Elon, and then also on the call with Elon was Zachary Kirkhorn, the CFO and master of coin. <laughs> I, lo I love how kind of goofy and nerdy that company is sometimes. Like I just, it's, it's awesome. All right. So business class listeners, some of their highlights from 2021 quarter one. So um, 
they grew revenues by 74% year over year, which is huge. Their quarter end cash and cash equivalents decreased to $17.1 billion. The total production of the Model 3 and Model Y in quarter one was 180,338 units. The total deliveries was 184,877 units. So obviously that is pretty impressive. I don't think there's another manufacturer out there that has done this in a long time where they are delivering more than they are producing. Their storage and service locations have increased to 561 now versus in quarter one of 2020, they were at 438. Their supercharger stations have increased to 2,699, up, up, oh, I don't know, 700 from quarter one of 2020, 1,917. Uh, shares of Tesla sh dropped sharply, but what does that mean with Tesla? It's so volatile, but they did drop, drop sharply in extended hours in the following day, but it looks like I'm sure it'll... It'll be just fine in the future. And if anything, I think that's what we want to focus on today is where does Tesla sit in the short term and in the long term? One of the things that I thought was pretty impressive, too, about uh, what Elon had said on the call was that the Model 3 finally surpassed the BMW 3 Series as the most or the highest selling sedan in the world. And I think that is maybe a jump off point here, Rahul, to maybe assert now that electric vehicles and teslas own the market yeah i mean i'm i'm not quite sure if you'd say they own the market just given their you know total market share is still you know very uh small percentage of single digits but um you, you know i think what is becoming very clear is that the engine of the Model 3 and the Model Y are just increasing in momentum. And uh, there is effectively unlimited demand, you know, versus what they can produce uh, for those vehicles um, at a price point where they're, you know, over 20% margins or something. So uh, it is, um, you know, along well, continually, people are wondering, is there enough demand? Are they going to be able to do this? Do they have to lower prices too much? Or when they're lowering prices, is it becoming, you know, unsustainable financially? And I think kind of all of that has been put to rest with, uh, you know, several other, I would say, non-bright spots related to the SNX and, you know, the, the kind of retooling of that. So from a financial standpoint, that was... Um, a big missing component. And I think, you know, with problems in solar that they kind of um, dug into, none of those mattered at all because the S and the, uh, the, the three and the Y were just so strong. And the feeling certainly um, from management is that that is going to continue and gain momentum. So, so, so I think that's really the biggest takeaway. Well, and, you know, talking about the cost of the Model 3, right, uh, on the slide deck that Tesla had provided, they said that the average cost of the vehicle 
of the Model 3, oh, this is across the fleet, was 84000 So the average cost per vehicle across the fleet was 84000 And all of a sudden, in quarter one of 2021, that declined to 38000 sub-38,000. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive to optimize your operation to see that big of a drop in your vehicle cost. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the date that 84000 was from, but certainly in this quarter, it was driven by threes and whys. So you have very little higher uh, cost products in the mix. And, you know, this does go to what Elon was saying too, right? About how the company is continuing to evolve into what was once a electric vehicle company to this um, energy company to eventually this kind of AI robotics company. And, you know, they have these two factories that are opening up in Berlin. And there was a there was one of the um, uh, questions that came from the institutional investors with regards to uh, the, you know, the, the factories in Berlin and and how well Elon believes that these factories are going to optimize the operation. Let, let me play you that clip here. And then let's let's talk a little bit about it here. Uh, you've suggested that between a, a 5x to 10x improvement is achievable in the automotive production versus the uh, uh, versus the first Model 3 line on the first uh, principles physics analysis. Uh, where does Berlin sit? Where does Berlin sit relative to that limit? Oh, I, I think we're so we're so quite far away from it. I mean, the, the thing to bear in mind with with production is, uh, for those who have ne- who've never done production, they just don't understand how insanely hard production is. Um, I, I, I want to really be very, very emphatic here. Prototypes are trivial. They're child's play. Production is hard. It is very hard. Now you say production. At, at, at very at large scale with higher liability and low cost, insanely difficult. Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, there was a moment maybe two or two and a half years ago on the earnings call where it felt like Elon had woken up for a dream and just opened the call saying, you know, Tesla is going to become the best manufacturer on earth, you know, not by a small margin, but by a margin, you know, that is more than you can imagine. And, um, you know, you kind of never know when Elon says something like that, like how serious and how long that will take to happen. And, you know, to me, like two things were kind of revealed on this call. One is that it seems like they are getting more serious about that. So the, you know, focus on the machine that builds the machine, the manufacturing uh, seems to be in full swing. On the other hand, I would say um, they seem to, as, as noted there, uh, be very uh, early in that process. So, you know, Elon always likes to talk about like S curves and kind of the slope of things getting better. It seems like we're still kind of on the bottom and have not like hit the point where things have gotten, you know, substantially better. Now, obviously, I think he said that before the Model 3 production hell and everything. So you know, they've clearly matured massively and the, the Model Y manufacturing rollout like seemed to go without a hitch. I mean, I'm sure there was a thousand hitches internally, but at least from the outside, it was, you know, 
it beat the schedule and the quality of the cars seem much better than anything before. Um, so they've certainly tackled some of that, but when you look at kind of the goal of the company to really revolutionize manufacturing and create, you know, the uh, proverbial alien dreadnought factory, it, it seems like that, you know, hasn't happened in Shanghai. It doesn't look like it's happening in Berlin. Maybe it'll start in Austin, but, um, you know, we're still early in the curve. Do you think that Elon and Tesla as a whole um, are, you know, perhaps getting away f and or is it a good thing that Tesla is kind of focusing less on electric vehicles per se and kind of more on the again these this the machine building the machine which is like okay are we are we still talking about cars now because it, it just seems like you, this is now an entirely different operation and and now you're more I guess manufacturing than you are an electric vehicle, you know, technologist and and manufacturer. Yeah. Um, well, I, if you look at you know just percentage revenues and stuff, I think it's hard to say that they're getting away from electric cars. And I think everything else right now is primarily in service of electric cars. So the benefits that they're um, seeing with innovation regards to batteries or with regards to drivetrains or manufacturing, I think it's all focused on just how do we build a cheaper electric car, you know, faster? How do, how do we make more efficiencies there? But I think as you get there, um, I, I think it begins to transform the company where if you really become a you know manufacturing technology company then your uh potential scope of what you can focus on becomes much bigger so you know maybe an analogy is like you know amazon the bookstore like you know the books are the electric cars and everything's in service of that but once you get that manufacturing technology um moving, then you can apply it to other things. Now, I think the difference is selling a book is very similar to selling other things and not much harder, certainly in many ways, much easier. Whereas building an electric car, I think is much harder than building most other, uh, you know, kind of goods. So they've kind of started, you know, at the, at the most challenging place. Are you trying to tell me that uh, cutting paper is not as hard as uh, producing a battery? Um, well, I haven't cut a lot of paper, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think just, uh, I, I don't know why Elon's so emphatic there, but he just wants people to know how hard making electric cars is, um, may, maybe as a like uh, emotional catharsis for all the pain they went through there. Yeah, and certainly I think this was, you know, when when Elon was building out the factories for the Model S, right? This is where even a lot of the traditional automotive giants were counting on the demise of Tesla because it's like, okay, let's see how you can 
uh, perfect a production line, you know, something that has take, taken decades and decades to perfect for your Fords and GMs of the world. And yet here is Elon trying to do it within the span of one year, two years. And, you know, now we fast forward and it seems like, you know, he he's he's able to sit atop of the mountain and kind of look down upon the other automakers and be like, you thought I was down and out. And now here I stand. Yeah. And, and I think there was for a long time kind of a uh, you know, a bear thesis that, oh, once these other car companies that know how to make cars like, you know, Audi and, um, uh, you know, Mercedes and even like maybe the American ones, once they focus on it, they're just going to blow Tesla away because they know how to make cars. And I think, um, you know, what's becoming more apparent uh is that building a car that is rapidly advancing is very different than building something that's you know much more static and now the pace of innovation and the pace of change and you know they just pulled down the model s and x line for you know almost a quarter to uh to modify that and make all these you know changes um this is like a big thing and it's you know the big question is is there actual like curve of manufacturing improvement fundamentally sloping higher than you know other companies or other companies just kind of behind and they haven't yet you know gotten into that curve um but uh you know i'm absolutely no expert on manufacturing but it it seems that you know, the rate of innovation here, like how many changes can you make? How quickly, how quickly can you get the feedback loop from customers to service to problems back into, you know, engineering product design, then into the, uh, you know, manufacturing design, like that cycle, how um, efficient is it? And I know like in the, in, in the software space, like that, feedback curve is, you know, fundamental. If you don't have good feedback and continually, you know, take that and build it into the product, you just get left behind in the market. And, um, and a company who can do that like 2% better every month is like radically ahead of, you know, somebody who's just a little bit slower iteration rate. So this I think is really the big you know, question like, is their innovation rate fundamentally like curving up uh, higher or are the other companies just needing to retool, figure it out, kind of figure out the new paradigm and then they'll ramp back up to that level. So to, to add to that, so this is where, again, I'm going back to this like hypothesis, is Tesla focusing too much on, again, maybe the innovation aspects um, of electric vehicles as opposed to the production of electric vehicles. Why? Because that manufacturing curve, I could almost see as like, there's definitely a slow, steady rise, and I think it's going to be that way, right? But what is relatively flat, which could have a very big spike, is in the software you're talking about, is in software development, software innovation. And so going back to the earnings call, you know, one of the things that Elon had discussed was with regards to the full self-driving capabilities of these cars, which we're talking about software now, and specifically how uh, the vision 
of these cars is really fundamental in further furthering full self-driving. So let's play clip one. And when vision works, it works. It, 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 it works better than the best human. Because um, it's like having eight cameras. It's like having eyes in the back of your head, the sides of your head, and and, and three eyes at different focal distances looking forward. Um, this is, yeah, um, and, and processing it at a speed that is superhuman. This, this, I, I, there's, no, there's no question in my mind that uh, with a pure vision solution, uh, we can make a car that is dramatically safer than uh, the average person. So, uh, but, but it is a hard problem because we are actually solving something quite fundamental about artificial intelligence. We're, 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 we basically have to solve real-world vision AI. Rahul, your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, that phrase right there, I think, could have been taken from any Elon speech in the last, like, four years. Like, nothing has changed. Like, the, I, I think on the call, the big developments were the idea that they're going to pull radar out of the stack in terms of kind of FSD, uh, you know, neural nets, like I, I'm not clear if they mean they're actually going to pull the hardware out or still use it for certain, um, you know, scenarios. But, uh, um, you know, so that was the one big difference. But clearly, I mean, this is both, I would say, the for Tesla, the biggest um, miscalculation on timing, where in 2015, Elon was estimating, you know, go to sleep in a car in three years. And then I think since 2018, it'll be done by the end of this year has been restated every year. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think they're clearly learning that it is harder, you know, than expected as they peel the onion, they find more weird things going on under there. Um, and you know, but but it also seems like the trajectory of FSD is clearly getting much better, and and they've had some big milestones with like city driving, and for the people on the beta program, that seems to be working, you know, as well as the highway driving was working in you know 2018, which since has gotten you know much better. Um, so, uh, but you know, I I think there's a fundamental industry question of will you be able to take that to the level of you know go to sleep in your car and will that be in one year like elon thinks he hedged a little bit this time uh or in you know five years and um and if you can do it whatever that period is how long will it take others to catch up and, and this i think is like the trillion dollar question in you know automatic automotive valuations and it's you know to elon's credit he's been very um other other than off in the timeline he's been super consistent and they've been steadily moving forward but i think there's a huge number of people who just don't buy it they who feel like you'll get to some asymptote and then you're just not going to get any better than that uh, given you know, current technological constraints or even as they, you know, incrementally evolve over the next few years. I mean, I know that this is definitely a, um, you know, debate that Elon has been having with the rest of the industry yeah. with regards to do you go if you are to implement 
autonomous driving, let's just call it generally speaking, autonomous driving, do you have both radars and cameras? And the industry seems to think you need a combination of both. Yeah, and LiDAR. And, and LiDAR, I'm sorry, yeah. and LiDAR. Elon has been more on the side of like, look, by continuing to implement LiDAR and radar, you're just delaying the inevitable that vision and cameras work exponentially better and can get you faster to this autonomous future. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, clearly his timeline's been wrong, but clearly the kind of performance over cost of what Tesla has is blowing everything out of the water. Now, it's a very low cost you know, system from a hardware perspective. Um, but you know, the big question is, how long will it take and how long will it take for somebody to catch up once it's been done by somebody? So you're still, you're betting on Elon and the, and vision leading the way, not just with Tesla, but the entire industry in moving towards some tor some sort of utopia of autonomy. Of yeah, because, because I think, you know, it, it is a software problem. And so once you solve the software problem, then the cost of, you know, scaling that out becomes, you know, close to marginally zero. Yeah. And, and, and it feels like we're, you know, in the ballpark. It's not like when you have the new FSD, you know, beta thing that like it's crashing into everybody or causing major, major problems like there, you know, maybe at, you know, I don't know what the exact scale on this is, but at like, you know, three nines versus they want to be at six nines or seven nines or something, but that's in the ballpark, you know, for this type of thing. And um, it is clearly just continually getting better. And it feels like the curve at which it's getting better is substantial. So um, uh, yeah. And then the other just kind of, note about that is I, I think there's a, a misconception from many people that like self-driving is like a binary thing. Like you either have it or you don't have it versus a, a scale of, you know, how reliable it is. And then I, I also think there's a um, feeling for many people, especially those who haven't used the Tesla product that if you don't have kind of it binary on, yes, I have full striving, that it has very little value. Whereas most Tesla drivers who have the feature would emphatically support the idea that, oh my God, it makes my driving so much easier. And, you know, a lot of the time it just mentally deburdens me. I think the, the other argument though, in all of this, which it doesn't seem like this argument gets talked about as much is how you know Tesla sees full self-driving as the way towards a better, safer future. Yeah. And and again, to your point, there's a lot of folks, including myself, who have not experienced full self-driving. So, however, I do obviously know a lot about cars. So I know there's all these hybrid types approaches of where it's always on, sometimes on, kind of thing. Yeah. But then the other argument, the other narrative that's out there are kind of the the social aspects of like, well, look, 
full self-driving, great. But if we really want to reduce the amount of deaths on the road, then we just need people out of cars and into public transportation, into buses, into trains and things of that nature. And so there's still kind of that narrative that, again, it it doesn't seem like they will ever um, they will ever find room to say that, you know what, maybe we should start to look more heavily into full self-driving as a way to make roads safer. Yeah, I mean, clearly the car is not currently the safest mode of transportation, but the, the problem is like so much has been built up around it that it's, you know, in many places it's your only choice. Like I just moved to Austin, maybe 15 minutes east of the Gigafactory. And if you don't have a car here, like you're stuck, like there's no public transportation at all out here. So, um, so for urban dense areas, clearly there may be alternatives, but for a lot of people in a lot of places, you know, there's not going to be. Yeah. So now there was a turn in the earnings call that I found to be somewhat interesting. So let me play you this here. This is clip seven. We have the technology exists today to, to solve renewable energy. And some of people say, well, why don't we do it? That's because the energy basis of the earth is gigantic, super mega, insanely gigantic. So you can't just go and do a zillion terawatts overnight. You've got to build the, the production capacity for the cells, uh, for the battery cells, for the solar cells. You've got to put that into vehicles. You've got to put that into stationary storage packs. You've got to put that into solar panels and solar glass roofs. And you've got to deploy all this thing, all, all this stuff. But, but it is certainly the case that we can accelerate this. Um, and we should try to accelerate it. Um, and uh, the, the, the right thing to do, I think, from an economic standpoint, and I think almost any economist would agree, is to have a carbon tax, um, just as we have a tax on uh, cigarettes and alcohol, uh, which we think are more likely to be bad than good. And we, we tend to tax fruit, fruit and vegetables less. The same should be true. We should we should tax energy that we think is probably bad, and support energy we think is probably good. Just like cigarettes and alcohol versus fruits and vegetables. This is, I think, a very profound point that he makes, and obviously, I think this is something that is fairly well accepted that the technology exists to make renewable energies very much the biggest source of energy that we have in this world today. And so, again, I go back to this idea. Since solar panels and the solar roof operation are under Tesla, since Tesla makes electric vehicles and they specialize in batteries and, and they're looking you know, to all their suppliers, and once their suppliers, I think, it, to me, I would think, they kind of give Tesla a bit of priority in terms of ba batteries. Like, again, is Tesla moving into this AI and robotics company where it's like, you know, maybe you should stick with this energy operation because i think that actually does the world the most good yeah well well i think it's not a question of you know one versus the other but rather the ai and the robotics are being done in service of scaling manufacturing and making it cheaper and more efficient um and and i think like the uh 
what I heard kind of reading between the lines there is that the value, uh, like the market value of AI and robotics there um, is, you know, going to approach that of energy and um, electric transportation. So, you know, you know, when Tesla started, it was about transportation and then energy was added on. And I think maybe, I don't know, three or four years ago, Elon's like, yeah, you know, they're about the same size eventually, even though at the time energy was a, you know, tiny single digit fraction, but he's like, eventually these will be the same size. And now what I'm kind of interpreting is that, okay, and now this AI robotics technology will also be from a market value standpoint, uh, potentially the same size. Now, our, the first customer for that is the internal manufacturing uh, at Tesla. But just like, you know, they, they also had a, uh, a long talk about, you know, Dojo, the um, uh, neural net training software and how that potentially could become a, you know, industry solution that other people use. Um, the idea that Tesla AI and robotics could become a, um, uh, industry solutions that other use. I mean, even to the point where it would not like, I think be out of scope in several years for <laughs> Tesla to start manufacturing robots, you know, um, for others to use, to do other manufacturing. Um, so that I thought was really new. Like I had never heard, you know, it, it always been talk about we're going to be great at manufacturing, but never like, we're going to be, that may be a product of ours. So I see. So this AI robotics narrative that Elon is, is telling us is more of, hey, this is going to be really in its first phase, a tool for the company to optimize our operation, yeah. batteries, full self-driving, solar cells. And once we become the guinea pigs for it and kick ass with it because that's ultimately what happens. Then we open it up and offer it to the market. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't think he explicitly said that, but I think right. he certainly left um, the door open for that. And, and what's a little unclear to me um, is whether the clearly full self-driving is a, you could call that an AI robotics problem. The car is a robot and you know, the FST software suites AI, uh, I'm not clear like how much crossover there is between driving a car and having robots assemble a car. And maybe like some of the vision um, uh, technologies of, of, of you know, recognition and training and what have you are actually really important in the manufacturing process, in which case it would make, I think, more sense from just an overall efficiency standpoint. But I think regardless of that, even if they're very separate, like you know, code bases and suites and what have you. Tesla is going to needs to go down both paths. They they absolutely believe that they need you know full self driving to you know quadruple or quintuple the value of cars, and then they absolutely need uh, manufacturing to scale out energy sustainability. So you need to build um, you, you know orders of magnitudes more batteries or at least mm -hmm. you know, one and a half or so. So um, so, so that, uh, like I heard a sliver there of Elon kind of reconceptualizing what Tesla could be in the future. So my last question then to you is, 
how much, you know, presuming AI and the robotic side of the operation continues to grow, quantify more, quantify for me in any sort of analogy, what that will do to the overall business operation. Like, is it going to 10 exit? Is it going to 100 exit? Is it going to take Tesla production from 180,000 units in a quarter to a million units? Like, give me an idea of when AI and robotics, you know, presuming that is successful, how long do you think, what kind of runway would you give it? And then its effect on the actual operation um, and the value of the operation. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I think clearly Tesla has stuck by this will increase production by 50% a year on average, you know, for the foreseeable future. So I think you go from, you know, what maybe this year will look like just under a million cars to 20 million, you know, on a 50% ramp rate using this internal technology. And, and I, I think there's nothing new about that. Like they've been saying that for a while now. I think what's, you know, very new and interesting is just like, if you back up a little bit and, and, and like go back, I don't know, five or seven or 10 years or something and, you know, look at Tesla's aspirations then and compared to where they were, what they were trying to do, they seemed like, you know, going from building a few hundred roadsters to, you know, five gigafactories on multiple continents that are arguably, you know, the most advanced manufacturing today. Um, like the delta between those is just astronomical. Yeah. And now I think, you know, the question is, okay, now that we're here and, and the kind of, you know, near-term runway is visible, they're going to finish Austin, they're going to finish Berlin and everything. But like, what is the equivalent like step up from here to the next like big right like expansion and given that they have kind of no capital constraints anymore no you know reasonable ones um given the fact that their ability to attract you know some of the best talent in the world seems to be kind of you know at its peak now and better than almost any other companies, but certainly equivalent to anybody else. Uh, like how ambitious can they be? And, and, and I don't see Elon as kind of deciding, oh, we'll just, you know, have a 50% growth rate and that's really hard and whatever, but that's good enough. We don't want to do anything else. Like it just seems like he cannot help himself, but to like, you know, think in like, you know, orders of magnitude expansion. And, and I think the way to do that is to transform, you know, manufacturing globally. So whether it's your HVAC system that I think many people assume Tesla will get into or, uh, you know, prefabricated housing, which Tesla desperately needs to house everybody to work at the, you know, Giga Texas mm -hmm. factory, um, you know, I don't think they can take all of that on themselves, but if they can become a core supplier of that to, you know, the many, the global manufacturing industry, then, then that is a way to kind of 10 exit and get beyond, you know, what the revenue of 20 million cars a year or, you know, the equivalent energy and storage and everything 
would be. So these are, you know, in the multi-trillion dollar range, and uh, it, it's pretty it's pretty hard to envision. But we're clearly at a point where things are changing, like like our, our fundamental ability to manipulate the earth and transistors and manufacturing and vision and teach computers to do things that just you couldn't imagine is like it's upon us and it's you know accelerating faster and 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 of course with spacex you know elon's always saying well the big question is can we increase the rate of innovation like can we generally innovate faster and certainly in a broader surface area but i'll also you know faster across all of that surface area so this is i think what he's going for and i don't think there's a lot of precedent for this but it's going to be you know exciting to watch that's it it, it is there, there is no precedent and i do love the fact that elon is probably one of the very rare people in this world that still wants to push the envelope on innovation even though he's the ceo of tesla the ceo of well actually i guess he's not the ceo of spacex but you know he's he, he he's the leader in in these big companies and yet he's still wanting to push innovation as opposed to like the business operations of it all and profitability for shareholders and all that stuff of course he has to say that and of course he, he i'm he, i'm sure wants to return um, money to the shareholders or profit to the shareholders but again for him it's still all about the science it's still all about the engineering yeah i i mean i think he's completely bought into the you know general corporate investment framework and that has worked well i mean i think there were some points at which it wasn't clear how things would go but um but the yeah absolutely the the, the goal here is um like the goalposts keep changing as he imagines more he you know goes changing they're not he's not even using goalposts anymore he's <laughs> using some other futuristic like yeah <laughs> goalpost or whatever may have you you know yeah it's not playing football but uh um yeah so so uh you know it, it'll i i think a couple indications of where tesla kind of in the you know medium term is headed will really come from do they open up dojo as a service and i think they absolutely talked about the possibilities but hedged on any specifics around that um and you know do they start offering other manufacturing technology the, the 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 one other like really interesting thing i've been hearing it wasn't in this earnings call but like over the last three four five months from other uh talks of elon's is kind of opening up the tesla infrastructure to others whether it's the supercharging infrastructure or the full self-driving technology and i think um uh again this hasn't been super explicit but my guess is the decision making there is like tesla could clearly go it alone like apple did you know back in the day and uh you know before the clones and everything and just be their own thing and you know the rest of the industries locked out of that now apple never got to the critical mass that it um uh you, you know kind of shut out everybody in the pc space um but tesla could do that and just create this walled garden but i but i think now there's like a very explicit interest in saying okay we want to build 
global utilities for the industry, meaning for the industry and their customers that that those people can use. So it's not going to be a go it alone approach, but rather we're going to be a supplier, you know, be a battery cells, supercharging software. Uh, and, and I think manufacturing technology would be, you know, the next add on. And, and that, that seems to be like uh, very much in Elon's mind. And I think, I think that's actually a, a great strategy because I think they risk uh, um, the potential to, you know, become monopolistic if, if, if they don't do that. Uh, and, and with that monopolistic stuff, get a lot of negative um, wins from various governments. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, th that's actually a very good point because it does seem to be the case as much as Elon Musk has his little tiffs with Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos and Amazon have this platform that empowers other sellers to, you know, sell their product online. And Elon may could, you know, could do a similar thing where now be it Dojo, be it their batteries, be it their camera systems, everything. This now is just another equipment that can supply other people to make, you know, potentially other cars. And again, it's like at some point he doesn't even care about the competition because he'll always own one side, uh, you know, of the electric vehicle pie. And, you know, again, if, if he is truly genuine in this, this idea that, you know, we need to be this multi-planetary universe because the earth has, you know, is burning out of resources. Well, then, it makes sense to have a proliferation of other people developing electric cars, full self-driving, and everything that Tesla is doing, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Because if even at 20 million cars, they're saying that's one percent of the, mm -hmm. you know, global auto fleet. So, you know, you want to at least 10x that, and to do that, you need other companies involved. Well, business class listeners, so. If I am listening to Rahul here, I'm thinking that, of course, naturally, it just reaffirms that you want to stay long on Tesla. Your share price at the moment is dipping below 700, but again, it's just a matter of hours, minutes, or whatever days till, that's, till this uh, gets back up in the $700 range. Uh, Rahul, thanks for being on. We'll, we'll talk more about this uh, in future episodes. Business class listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode as we end every episode. Cheers. Prost. Lachain. Kipis. Nastravi. Salut. Kampai. Mabruk. Tutsins. Gambe. Yamas. Nastarovie. Vo. Salute. And saugi to the customer experience. Business class listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode of Wisco Weekly. If you enjoyed the show, please do provide Wisco Weekly a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'll be here again next week.
Wisco Weekly is providing this information for educational purposes only. We are not providing legal, accounting, or financial advisory services, and this is not a solicitation or recommendation to buy or sell any stocks, options, or other financial instruments or investments. Examples that address specific assets, stocks, options or other financial instrument transactions are for illustrative purposes only and may not represent specific trades or transactions that we have conducted. In fact, we may use examples that are different or the opposite of transactions we have conducted or positions we hold. This site and any information or training therein is also not intended as a solicitation for any future relationship, business or otherwise between the members or participants and the moderators. No express or implied warranties are being made with respect to these services and products. All investing and trading in the securities market involves risk. Any decisions to place trades in the financial markets, including trading in stock or options or other financial instruments, is a personal decision that should only be made after thorough research, including a personal risk and financial assessment, and the engagement of professional assistance to the extent you believe necessary.